Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group. This week is our roundtable with our partner, Jesse Brown, VA Works. July is American Diabetes and National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, July 9th, 2022. You just heard our host, Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega Scouts Honor Productions. And don't forget to look at us on Facebook Live. We are live streaming today, but see us on Facebook and, and look at us on social media. Today we're not on live streaming, but you can still see our past shows on Facebook and on YouTube. So go look at those shows, like and subscribe, and tell us what you think is very important. You provide the content that makes us great and also the things you want to hear, we want to talk about. So go on YouTube, go on Facebook Live, like and subscribe to things we've seen. You won't see us today on YouTube live, but you will be able to see our past shows on Facebook and YouTube. And we have a panelist on the line today. That is Debbie Raphael Shanley. She's a minority veteran program coordinator at Jesse Brown VA. She's a social worker. And Misa Lopez, she's a licensed clinical social worker and intimate partner of Violence Assistance Program Coordinator. We're going to talk about bridging a gap with Native Americans and Indian veterans at the Jesse Brown VA. How are you guys doing today? Well, thank you. Well, it's good to have you guys on. So doing great, us, thanks. Tell us what is going on. So what we need to do, what are we not doing with our, our Native American veterans? So I'll go. I'm Debbie Raphael Shanley, the Minority Veteran Program Coordinator, Jesse Brown VA. Um, Native Americans have the highest per capita involvement in any minority population to serve in the military. They have the highest concentration of women service members. I mean, if we look at the history, they have uh, World War One. They had six thousand to uh, six thousand five hundred were drafted. They had World War Two, the code talkers that that helped decode messages. And then World War II, they had 44,000 um, Native Americans out of the 350,000 population. And lastly, if we look at the 42,000 American Indians that served in Vietnam, 90% were volunteers. However, they're the least likely to enlist or um, go to a VA hospital, given the historical trauma. Why is that? So, And that's one thing that people, a lot of civilians probably don't know, but it, it, is, it is known throughout history, going all the way back to really the Civil War, that Native Americans have, have served in high numbers as a warrior class to go into the military and fight for all kinds of different causes. And one of the great things that people are, are they're known for is that they were the code talkers, as you mentioned, in World War One and World War Two, breaking codes, or actually not breaking codes, but actually because their languages were not known to the Germans and, the, and to the forces that were fighting, 
they were able to send messages back and forth in their native languages, and no one understood or could decipher their languages. Well, yes. I mean, if we think about, you know, the trauma historically, even um, from a military standpoint, you have Indian being placed on Indian reservations, boarding schools. And I think there's a lack of uh, mainstream understanding on uh, Native Americans' methods of healing. So I think that's what causes a lot of the lack of disengagement in a VHA healthcare. Do you think it's a, it's a, a matter of pride that maybe a lot of Native Americans aren't using the VA? Uh, you know, from my experience, and I can speak from my experience, I think it's just uh, overall a lack of trust, right? We think about the generational and historical trauma, and then compounded with the fact that you don't understand the complementary methods of healing, or they're not accepted at, like, wide in, in other hospitals. But, you know, Jesse Brown is doing a good job of really putting in whole health, adding complementary um, methods of healing, such as healing touch, acupuncture, things of that nature, in conjunction with traditional medicine. So we have about 3 million Native Americans across the country right now. Is, is there, when you say Native Americans, what, how do we classify, because a lot of people will say that they're Native American because they have a, so much percentage of blood. For example, Kyrie Irving, a famous basketball player, says he's part Native American. Um, you have, you know, different, a lot of people in, in the media site who will even get challenged on their identity when they say they're Native American. So how do we do it? A lot of it, this is all self-report. Like when you come in and, you know, there's the check boxes, this is self-report um, as far as Native Americans. That's how we measure it. But again, our numbers are small, but they're increasing given the fact that we're, you know, trying to bridge the gap in that sense with the um, highlighting some of these alternative methods of healing to help Native Americans understand that we are trying to understand these cultural nuances of healing in the context of traditional medicine. And Raphael, so how, what are some of the things that uh, Native Americans are missing out on? What kind of treatments and problems do you see in the Native American veteran community that need to be addressed? Well, I, I, you know, I think, you know, this, this conversation also started with the fact that we are Jesse Brown is participating in the eighth annual Native American gathering that's happened next happening next Saturday. And, you know, some of the things that we're highlighting and bringing to this event is showing them that we do have complementary and alternative methods of healing in conjunction with uh, traditional types of medicine. And one of the things that they're doing at this event that's different than any other event, because Jesse Brown has been participating over the last seven years, and this event garners 1,800 visitors and over not. 653 Native American veterans, and then out of the 653 Native American veterans, this is an interesting fact, 276 of them are identified as Native American female veterans. So the one thing that we're doing that I think is a big push this year, and that's why Misa is here to talk about our expertise, is they're highlighting the trauma aspect of Native Americans to help the healing process. Misa, can you tell us more about that? So what are some of the things that we need to know about uh, the Native American veteran community? And then what are some of the things they need to take advantage of? Sure. Um, so first, I, I just really want to express our tremendous gratitude to the Trickster Cultural Center for inviting us to participate in this event. It's my understanding that this is the first time in um, the eight years of this event that trauma and domestic violence are being addressed so openly. And it's just so important and such an honor to be a part of that. So... Just to lay a little bit of groundwork, if I may, 
What makes this important is the high occurrence of intimate partner violence in these communities. So according to a study by NIJ, which is the National Institute of Justice, Four in five American Indian and Alaska Native adults have experienced violence in their lifetime. So if we think about it, that's 83%, right? And this includes 56% who've experienced sexual violence and 55% who've experienced physical violence by an intimate partner. So reflecting on what Debbie had mentioned earlier regarding the high number of Native American Indian veterans, it's important that our VA IPV assistance program be available to support, and we're grateful for the opportunity to do so. So for this event, we've been invited to participate in their domestic violence healing circles, and we'll be working in partnership and collaboration with a Native American veteran facilitator. Um, generally speaking, our VA IPV assistance program provides comprehensive and integrative services through a trauma-informed and person-centered approach for veterans and their families. So that could look like crisis intervention, safety planning, soft handoffs to internal and external resources. We also provide group and individual intervention and any other supports that may be needed. So essentially, whatever the individual beliefs would be helpful. And the support we offer is most often determined by the individual's expressed needs. And it's based on a collaboration between us and the individual. So participating in these healing circles will very much reflect our collaborative re- approach to support. And essentially, we're there to walk alongside and support as we're needed in the way that the individuals need us. So you just dropped an atomic bomb there. You mentioned that there is a high number, 83 percent, I think you said, of domestic violence incidents in the Native American community. That's pretty. That seems pretty alarming. So what is going on that's causing all of this, this domestic abuse? So I, I feel just generally speaking, domestic violence is more prevalent than we may think. So when we think about the numbers, those are just the reported numbers. Um, and statistically speaking, victimization rates of domestic violence are higher for American Indians and Alaska Natives. And the lifetime victimization rate is about one to two times higher for American Indian and Alaska Native women as for white women. Um, In the veteran community, it is research suggests that veterans are twice as likely um, than their civilian counterparts to experience some type of intimate violence. So you're talking twice as much because, A, you're a veteran and then twice as much because you're Native American. That sounds I mean, that sounds really off the charts. So now the next question is, and how do you get, if you're in that situation where you, your partner is, is, is committing violence against you, how do you become comfortable enough mm-hmm. to come out and get and to get help from a facility? And how is that going to be perceived by the person that's abusing you? Right. So our primary goal is safety and support, right? And I think that your question really kind of lends to the trust building with not just the individuals we serve who are experiencing experiencing intimate partner violence, but also trust building with the Native American community, right? Um, I think, you know, for me, I the way I see it, I'm not entitled to anyone's trust. It's my job to earn it, right? Um, and when you're building trusting relationships, they may be more inclined to disclose if something's going on, right? So 
in our world, trust is of paramount importance. And I'd say anyone we work with, building that trust and safety is one of the most vital parts of our job. Um, We recognize that trust building is a cornerstone in any work we do, particularly with someone who's experienced any kind of trauma. And in relationships where intimate partner violence is present, this is a person who's supposed to love and keep you safe, right? Someone we trust. And so any kind of violence is a huge violation of that trust. So a big part of our role is working very hard to build a safe and trusting relationship with the individuals we serve. Again, which can help facilitate their level of comfort in disclosing or talking to us about it. Um, And that can definitely also be a part of healing. And so we do this by validating the experience, being present, showing up. We don't promise anything that we can't come through on. We respect the individuals, their own best expert, which can also help them feel more empowered and more in control of what happens next. So for us, you know, I, I start by saying you can tell me as much or as little as you want. Um, the more I know, the more I may know how to help. But essentially, it's letting that individual be in control, which in IPV relationships, there's a loss of control. Um, and we do that very carefully because the first thing we want to assess for is safety. You know, you mentioned, like, what if the partner doesn't want um, someone disclosing, which is, you know, very real and often happens, right? So. When we speak to somebody, we're very careful about safety and safety planning, walking alongside someone um, on their journey, not in front of them, trying to orchestrate, you know, what their next steps are. Because something that's important is as dangerous as IPV relationships can be when you're in it, it can also be the most dangerous time to leave. Um, so we want to make sure that, that we're being very safe and making sure people know what's available to them because knowledge is power. And so aside from having tangible resources and supports, I feel like one of our biggest assets is really being authentic and honest, being genuine, which is a huge part of trust building, and really just showing up when someone needs us. And I can honestly say This is not just a job to us. We genuinely care about the individual and their safety and well-being. And I really do think our authenticity speaks to that and helps provide folks with a safe and trusting space to seek and receive help from us. So this in the past, have you seen any types of of groups or programs designed to address the abuser and try to get them help, whether it be mental, psychological counseling, getting them out of the, the situation where they're, they're not being so hateful and violent towards a person in their household? That's a really great question, and it's a very important question for our veteran population. So in the community, there are PAPE programs, Partner Abuse Intervention Programs, um, and those are often group environments um, to help skill build to manage aggression. Um, Within the VA system, we have something called the Strengths at Home Program. So our program works with individuals who are both experiencing violence and using violence. Um, One of the most important things is we're very person-centered. So I don't approach people and say, tell me about your abuse history. We talk in terms of like, tell me about your use of violence or tell me about 
this incident that happened that you felt you had some aggressive behaviors, right? That invites people to want to have a conversation with us instead of judging them. So we do a lot of one-on-one um, intervention with folks, but the one of the biggest things we have is called the Strength at Home Program. It was specifically designed for veterans, and it's a 12-week, two-hour-week program, um, and it, it's not about anger management, right? Because veterans have much different experiences um, than their civilian counterparts, right? So we have to take some of those veteran-centric pieces, um, you know, when we're working with somebody. So it, it helps them understand how history of trauma and military experience have influenced and impacted their current relationships and how did we learn to respond when we're upset or angry um, and then giving some different skills to move in a different direction, particularly communication and um, being in tune with what you're feeling to stop something from progressing or escalating um, and being able to use some of those other skills that, um, that allow you to interact in a more healthy way. So tell us one more time, when is the event, the uh, the annual Native American uh, Indian Gathering event in July? When is that event going to be, and where is it going to be? Uh, it is going to be in Cantigny Park in Wheaton. It starts Friday the 15th through the 17th. All right. Well, thanks for you guys for your time. This is a really important topic, something that I learned, something very, very uh uh, big. This is huge, the information that you guys are delivering. I hope a lot of people take advantage of the help that's being offered to try to get out of a bad situation. Anytime when you're not safe in your own home, anytime anybody's putting hands on you, that is not okay. That's not cool at all. Definitely get help. Reach out. Take advantage of these resources, veterans, and particularly Native Americans, if you're in a situation where you're being abused. This is Sean Claymore with, with uh, America's Heroes Group. We have W. Raphael Shanley. He's a minority veteran program coordinator at Jesse Brown VA. And Misa Lopez, a licensed clinical social worker and intimate partner violence assistant program coordinator. And they give us some great information. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.